You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this, what is it, Thursday? Yeah, Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Dennis Dick, Mitch Hotch with you this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about the first day in Coinbase. We're going to break that down today. We're going to talk about the different kinds of growth stocks, right? There are like growth stocks that 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 are okay, and there are growth stocks that are that are not okay, not okay. We're going to talk about that with our our guest, our first guest at least, Christian Farmhurst, who is the founder and CEO of Tribeca Trade Group. He will join the show at eight thirty-five and nine. We'll have Andrew Horowitz on the show from Horowitz and Company, also the host of the Disciplined Investor podcast. We've got a couple of earnings. We've got a retail sales number at eight thirty. We've got Richard Branson selling some shares in Virgin Galactic. We're going to talk about that. We had a midday or an afternoon M&A deal last night. We'll talk about that. We'll take questions from our chats. So a lot to get to on today's show, guys. Go ahead and smash that like button. I know you want to do it. Start your day off with a good old-fashioned smashing of the like. And uh, before I throw it to uh, Dennis or ask him how he was doing, let's give you a quick uh, reminder about the pre-market prep swag giveaway. The link that I'm putting in the chat right now. Click on that link. Enter for a chance to win up to $100 in Benzinga swag by doing a number of things. Either subscribing to our YouTube channel, tweeting about it, and entering the secret code, which is 
haircut. And I'm not going to repeat that for the rest of the day. Oh, we have earnings as well. Bank of America, City, Pepsi. We'll get to all that. Dennis, how's your morning going, man? Uh, it's been one of those mornings of actually just uh, wiping syrup off my arm because my kids decided that they would eat, obviously, over on the couch the the, the waffles that we had this morning, and I was cleaning off the couch, and I have syrup all over me. So, awesome. <laughs> Welcome to Parenting and Trading 101. I was going to say... Syrup on your arm, trading and trading with your fingers with syrup on your arm. I was going to say, we're in like the late stage. This is like late stage pandemic syrup, right? This is like, you know, like end of the pandemic cycle. Like, no, there are no rules anymore, right? It's that's just how, like, That's how you go. Syrup everywhere, on the couch, on the TV. Doesn't doesn't matter at this point, you know? We got some fantastic breaking news here. I don't know. It looks like Pfizer, Moderna... Um, I'm just getting a headline here that oh. they cause blood clots as well. Oh, Jesus, really? Yeah, I, I just saw this go by. A study is showing, just a study. I don't know where this is from. It actually was just tweeted out. Um, just grab the tweet here for you. It just popped up at me. Great follow, DJ. Uh, this is from Barron's. I'm not sure if this is just breaking or if this was out this morning, but Pfizer, Moderna, COVID-19 vaccines also trigger blood clots, a study finds. I got the link here to Barron's article. When did this come out? Mm-hmm. Clicking the Barron's article as I speak. Mm-hmm. Pfizer's down. Not, maybe this has been out and maybe it's just an opinion piece. So um, yeah, uh, I just yeah, clicked I it. It is from Barron's. So this could just be an yeah, opinion piece. They don't break out. They don't really it's not like out. a headline that's breaking news here, but wow. says the risk of contracting blood clots is about the same in Pfizer, Moderna's vaccine as it is in AstraZeneca. So all of these vaccines apparently clot in a very small, small scale can cause blood clots, it looks like. So at least that's what the Barron's article is saying. We haven't dug into that yet. I just mm-hmm. actually just had a pop up at me. Okay, I mean Pfizer is there's a red candle there on the 15 minute pre market chart, but I mean I don't know. BNTX is a better way to look at it too, because obviously sure. they're, yeah, okay. they're right, yeah, and it's it's up, so I don't think they're caring too much about it here. Yeah. So yeah. again, I don't know this study. I'm just saying it just got it just popped up at me here. So Robert's saying that there, the 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 Pfizer uh, BioNTech causes more blood clots, but you and I aren't doctors, so we. We're not doctors. No. We know that it appears there is a very minor risk when you take this vaccine. And yeah. we mean minor, like one in a million in the case of Johnson & Johnson. Of, one in a million, yeah. Literally one in a million of getting a blood clot. But there's a lot higher risk if you get COVID of getting blood clots. So That's I'll still it. choose the vaccine. That's it. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh should we start with Coinbase or save that for uh Yeah, let's do it. We can tie it into Kathy. We can tie it. It ties everything together here. So wait, wait, let's Mitch. do it all. Yeah, I, I was reading through that article for you, Dennis. Yeah. Um, So it says, like, you know, it, it said that five in, in a million, but it said in both cases, the risk for blood clots is much higher for those that have contracted COVID-19 before. Uh-huh. So that's where it's happening to him. That's mm-hmm. the catch. All right. I mean, really, catch. you know, and we know in the case of severe, I think they, I was just reading another study, and these are all just studies. So, you know, you don't know how much relevance to put on, you know, independent studies because how many people are in the, you know, how many people that they study. But it was something like out of hospitalized people, it was something over 20% of hospitalized COVID patients had clotting issues. So it's, it's, it's literally when it gets, you know, there's some people obviously are getting this and not getting sick at all. You know, Jason wasn't, Jason was sick for a day or two, but the people who were getting hospitalized, 
um, 20% of them look like they're having some serious issues with clotting. Yeah. So that's it, it, there is definitely a link between blood clotting and COVID. And so it's not surprising that maybe this vaccine has a linkage as well. So exactly. small risk here, not good news ever clotting. But again, these are even small risks, even if you get COVID. Exactly. So. Uh, okay, so let's start with the Coinbase talk by going back to yesterday. We did a contest spontaneously live on the show. Uh, I was like, I don't want to deal with this. Mitch was like, don't worry, I'm, I'm going to copy and paste it all into a sheet. Mitch did that. Uh, we asked you. Where is Coinbase going to open? And Mitch, do we have a winner? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I'm, I'm going to go ahead up and put them on the screen here. I mean, it's Mark Mark B. Mark B with a 381. So let me go ahead up and open this so I can show you exactly, exactly where it was. 381 was the guess? Yeah, 381. Did somebody get it? Yeah. That, it's... that was it. On, on the money? Well, it, it opened at, at 380, right? It opened at 381. No. Oh, yeah. So we got 380. His guess right. was 380. Okay. 381 was where That's it opened. Right. We did get it. someone that Who got was that? Let's get that person some Mark props. B. Mark B. Mark B. Mark B. Mark B. Nice B. job, Mark. But And there was someone that got 381, but they, they came in. We, we cut it off. And they came in they after came in we cut it off. Well, who was the person that got 381? All right, so um, three eighty one. I don't have, but um, I'm gonna highlight here exactly yeah. the, the comment here, and I'll put it on the screen. Here. Yeah, Let me I, zoom I, in. I put it up on the screen. So um, Let me zoom in here. So Mark Mark B email Primo oh, Mark M Smith M Smith M Smith. Oh, M. Smith. Look, 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 look. M Smith. Okay, there you go. And he put easy on there. Like if he he already knew the price. <laughs> it was easy. Three eighty easy. <laughs> He's all over it, man. Nice all right. job. Okay. M Smith email pre market at benzinga.com. Put I know one. Put put Coinbase uh winner in in the subject and so that so we'll see it. Some, some people were close, like this three seventy eight, three seventy eight, not too yeah. bad either. Yeah. Um, but we had over 530 entries, guys, in about three minutes. <laughs> 530. It was 530 <laughs> entries in the chat in three minutes. I told you there was a lot coming. <laughs> so they were just like, I was like, you got your work cut out it. for you, Mitch. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank God fun. for it. We got to do more of those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was fun. It was fun for sure. Uh, and we're, we're doing a, you know, a swag giveaway this week. So we got to do more contests. I'm with you on that. All right. Coinbase. So open the 381 reference price 250. They gave it some room to breathe. Uh, it popped in the first, uh, what, 15 minutes and it dropped. And then, then it kind of just hung out around three. Um, Let's see the chart. Three, three, all right, yeah, let me pull up a chart so y'all can see what I'm looking at here because I'm looking at my own chart and I'm not sharing it with you. Here's my chart on Benzinga Pro. So we got the pop, we got the drop, and we just sort of hung out around 3.30, 3.40 for the entirety of the pre-market yeah. session. Uh, popped at 4 a.m., just kind of hanging out around 3.50 here. So it did, it did open at that $99 billion valuation, which was much closer to where it was valued on the private market a month ago. Uh, not anywhere near that reference price valuation that they gave us what Tuesday night. Um, so it was an interesting day. It was, it, you know, as you can see, uh, as is normal, you know, volume tapered off throughout the day. This is this is how pretty much all IPOs work. There's a, a ton of volume on here. Let me pull up a one minute chart so you can see. There's always a lot of volume on that on that opening minute. 
and um, that's where most of the volume happens on an IPO. So tapered off throughout the day to be expected. But an interesting, uh, interesting first day. Uh, Kathy Wood bought some shares, bought a lot of shares yesterday, and all things considered, you know, it, it opened you know around the time we thought it opened uh, at one thirty, and all things considered, a a, a, a pretty good day, I, I, I would say for, you know, it, it, nothing crazy happened. It popped, it, you know, it, it popped up after and then it dropped. And but that's that's OK. It's to, to be expected. You know, volatility is, is the name of the game on IPOs. So nothing crazy happened. Uh, Dennis, you probably didn't trade this at all. But, no. but all things considered, it was a relatively it, it was an OK day. I don't even bring it up on the first day of trading. Like, yeah. I don't even look. I looked at where it was opening, and I looked at it for about three minutes. And I was like, if I look at it for too long, I start trading it, and it's just basically gambling on the first day. So there's yeah. no point to me trading that on the first day. That is just not my cup of tea. I make my money from relationships. Like I said, I was you know using the relationship based trade, which was a very good trade. People were really giving me heat, saying, "Oh, look what happened to Dennis when." Everything fell. I clearly said in the pre-market that I sold all all my shares that I had overnight. I wasn't trying to take it into. I think we also clearly said that it wouldn't surprise us that this trade reversed. Yeah, uh, you know that this is you know the the classic buy ahead of the catalyst and sell on the catalyst. I think Mitch. I think you. I think Mark. I think everybody on this show kind of said that we wouldn't be surprised if Bitcoin rolled over after the IPO happened. And that's what we saw. Well, so, I mean, we called this despite all the heat that I took on Twitter because I tweeted out that the overnight trade worked well. I went long Tesla. I went long Square. I went long PayPal. I went long Mara. I went long Riot. I went long BTT or BTBT. I went long a lot of Bitcoin plays ahead of it. I sold them all at seven o'clock in the morning yesterday morning, which I clearly said at eight o'clock on the pre-market show that I'm no longer in any of these trades. So I could freely talk about it, but it worked that buying ahead and then selling again. I just want to clarify to traders is that I, I don't take risk of the event. I'm not in it for like, okay, I think this is going to, I just know usually when you have a catalyst, there's usually a run-up into the catalyst. Yeah, That is what I'm playing as the run-up into the catalyst, not calling the catalyst and saying, oh, it's going to continue to go higher or lower. On an earnings event, on, you know, an, a, an, on, on a direct listing, IPO, it's a crapshoot. You know, they might pull the rug out from under it. Maybe it continues, but, you know, but that's not my job to come in there and try to call where it's going after the fact. I just was calling that I think Bitcoin's going to show some life, show you know a run up ahead of the event. So I played the he- ahead of the event by buying the night before and then selling, literally five hours before the the coin base uh, direct listing actually you know the way I actually got the pricing of it three eighty one yeah, yeah. that it opened. I, so I that's what coming. I am playing is that event. That's cool. the lower risk play. I always like to control the risk. You're coming in and buying Bitcoin on, you know, at the, you know, after the Coinbase, you know, then, you know, that's a riskier play. So it had a predictable run up ahead of the event and I was paid for that. So if you're buying it after the fact, that's gambling. Yeah, I think one thing to remember, and you do very well at this, Dennis, is that you play, and and I call this the actual catalyst. You're playing the catalyst, but not playing the after effects of the catalyst. Yes. I think when you start playing the after effects of the catalyst, you just don't know where it's going to go. But at least beforehand, when you're playing the catalyst, at least you know what's coming. 
And so before then, the investors try to get in because they're trying to front run that catalyst, right? And, and, and the news flow, it usually goes like it, you already kind of hear what's coming, the rumors, and then that's the flow. The flow starts going into that. Once the actual news hits, it's it completely changes the perspective because like let's say for coin you know a lot of people were starting to see that it was going to open up a little bit higher and how is this going to affect those stocks it's by it's by the rumor sell the news i mean it's just buy before the catalyst sell before you know sell on the catalyst is what what the market did so it sold off substantially so where does it go now i mean anybody's guess I, the reason it is up this morning is not anybody's guess. The reason it has rallied 24 points here this morning is because of Kathy Wood. That is why, you know, a little bit of a bounce, but it is up 7%. It is getting a significant bounce. And that is because Kathy sold a pile of Tesla to buy a pile of coin. And people will blindly follow her. They will continue to blindly follow her. We're going to talk about all of this with Christian Fromhertz at 835. He's got some great Kathy stats for us. And we'll talk about, you know, the rotation that we've been seeing away from Kathy stocks in the last three months and obviously into more value, uh, value, value names. But, you know, this is her type of stock. Growth at any cost. She doesn't care. She's all about growth. There is a top pile of, of, of growth in, in Coinbase. I mean, if you're investing with Kathy, you know what you're buying. You're buying growth at any cost. It has worked phenomenally for the last five years. Is it going to work phenomenally for the next five years? I am skeptical, but it might. I mean, we might just be in another raging bull market. If we continue to be in a raging bull market, growth is probably going to perform. High valuation names are probably going to perform. But we'll get into all that. You know, Let's bring it back to Coinbase here. It's getting a nice pop, up 25 points. It's day two. It's way too early for me to start trading the calling this, but I, I'd be skeptical to chase it on a Kathy pop because what we were seeing this morning is a Kathy pop. They're talking about nonstop on CNBC, how she just put $250 million in it. I've seen it on there three times already this morning. So, I mean, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, Kathy's bought it. I got to buy it too. I got to get in when Kathy gets in. And you are getting in when Kathy gets in. We don't know what price she paid yesterday, but you're probably getting in you know, at those at those prices. This thing was over 400 at one point in time. So you're buying a dip. I had another buddy text me. Yeah, I bought the dip too. But again, valuation, we, we compared it to ICE. Think about you know what ICE is the International Continental Exchange, ICE, it's traded as. And the Intercontinental Exchange, sorry. And it's uh, obviously owns NYSE. It owns a lot of businesses uh, and traded businesses that have been out there for, for forever. Ever. Forever. It's got a valuation Coinbase significantly higher than ICE at this uh, point. It's, it's not just ICE. It's ICE plus NASDAQ. It's ICE plus NASDAQ. ICE plus NASDAQ. So yeah. all the other public exchanges equals Coinbase right now. So yeah. if you think – it. The other issue, too, that I have is that you're looking at the margins and the spreads they're making right now. Competition is going to come for Coinbase something fierce. You think it's, it's coming for Dash? It's, it's coming 10 times harder for mm-hmm. Coinbase. Yeah. There is going to be a squeeze. They're making ridiculous spreads right now on that. Like somebody was saying it's like 1% spreads, you know, 0. 0.5, 1% spreads. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't trade on Coinbase, but I will tell you those spreads are going to come in. So, you know, what, what ICE makes on a trade is literally, you know, they got the maker taker. They're making fractions of a penny, like, like fractions of a penny. So is it going to come and be that efficient? I don't think it's going to get that efficient, but it's coming in. You're not going to see 0.5%, 1% raking in these spreads. Competition's coming. 
that is going to squeeze the margins significantly there, which makes me not as confident that, oh, it's just going to be 1%. We're just going to grow and grow and grow. Customer base goes up. We keep the 1% margins. Customer base can triple. And if the margins fall, you know, by 70%, you're in the same spot. I think the margins are going to fall by like 95%. So the customer base has to go up a lot more to keep those margins. That's my overall analysis. So I'd be skeptical paying a ridiculously high price saying the growth is coming because the customer growth base can coming, but the margins, those spreads, which I understand better than anyone as a market maker are going to get squeezed. Yeah. And it's already, it's already there. Coinbase is the largest crypto platform or exchange, but it charges the highest fees. Um, so their competition's coming. It's it's actually it's here, right? Now there are other there are other exchanges that are public, quite frankly. I mean it's not even the You first. don't think Bitcoin is gonna intercontinental exchange Nasdaq? They're all gonna get involved with it. I think they're all gonna get involved with it too. At some point, then once regulated, they're all if crypto sticks around, which I believe it is, I'm long Bitcoin, full disclosure. Yeah. If crypto sticks around, which I believe it is, um, I think all the other exchanges are getting involved too. So eventually that competition is going to be very intense for all of those customers and the spreads are going to tighten. I mean, if you're paying a 1% or a half percent spread on Coinbase and, internet, and you know, Intercontinental Exchange or NASDAQ can do her for like 0.1%, where are you going to go? I mean, you're saving yourself just a significant amount of money, especially if you're an active trader. You're going to go to where you can get the better spreads. It is going to get competitive. The spreads are very competitive on the public exchanges. And if crypto continues to grow like it does, those spreads are going to tighten substantially. So these nice, juicy spreads are getting right now. I don't think in three to four years they're even getting close to that. Speaking of Bitcoin or crypto in general, we do have a, a breaking headline here from the Benzinga News Desk. GMBL, this is a headline we just broke a few minutes ago. Uh, GMBL Esports Entertainment Group is launching a crypto mining application. They're going to let your idle computer mine Ethereum for you while you're not using it. So this was just out a few moments ago from our news desk. Uh, they're, basically, they're acquiring a company that will enable this passive mining to happen uh, for your gaming PC while you're not using your PC. Uh, so GMBL popped on the headline, uh, giving back some of the gains now. Uh, but that was the headline a few moments ago. If you're wondering why GMBL popped, that was why. Esports Entertainment Group is uh, acquiring uh, GG Circuit, and they're going to launch uh, an application to help your idle gaming computers mine Ethereum for you while you're not even using it. That was just out a few moments, a few moments ago. Okay. That's a small um, company. Uh, yeah, small company. Go on. Small company. Go anywhere. Um, yep, exactly. Uh, we, we mentioned uh, ARK Invest and Kathy Wood. Uh, they bought 750,000 shares of coin across three different funds yesterday. Yeah. Dennis sold some Tesla um, in the process. Um, so a big buy, not a surprise. Uh, you know, I talked about this on Tuesday. I talked about it on my ETF show. Like, what, what are the ETF implications of Coinbase? Well, we thought ARK, right? We thought the IPO ETF. Uh, and we thought like block BLOK. And so no real surprise to see ARC jumping in with two feet here uh, on the first day. It's her kind of stock. Yeah. It fits her fun. If you're buying ARC, you know what you're buying, like yep. we've said. So yep. that fits right into, you know, it's very clear, very transparent of what she buys. She buys disruptive technology that has, you know, high growth rates and coin fits that bill. Maybe we should have, a, a, you know, I, we basically spent the entire pre, pre-market show talking about about those types of stocks, right? And about like the, um, 
whether you want to call them the Kathy stocks or like the the, the, the type of stocks that spent all of last year going up and now yeah. cannot seem to rally. Maybe we should segue into Virgin Galactic because that's one of those it, stocks. Yeah, it's um, a stock that I love too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was on board with this all the way up. And yeah. I sold some of it at the high, like I sold some, not the highs. I sold it like 51 or $52, which was pretty good. And I kept a piece and I wish I wouldn't have kept any. And then it rallied back up and I sold the rest of it. Yeah. So I'm completely out of space. This um, sale last night, like you said, you know, isn't maybe as big of a deal as maybe the market thinks it is this morning because they're hitting it down. But Branson sold 10% of his position. Yep, he so. sold he sold about five and a half million shares at an average price of twenty six dollars and eighty one cents. Uh, so that's a that's a nice chunk of change. Uh, it was part of a plan to sell. It's important to note that I think this is a twelve B five sale. This is like a pre planned sale that insiders can can just can file essentially with the SEC saying I'm going to sell X amount of shares over Y uh, time frame. And that way they really cannot be charged with insider trading at all. Um, so it's, it, it's not as big a deal um, from that standpoint. It's not as if he's saying, oh, my God, I, I, I need out. It's like this is a pre-planned thing. That being said, this is the first time the market's becoming aware of said sale. That's per- perhaps why it's notable this morning. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, like we say all the time, there's one reason to buy and a million reasons to sell. The only other yeah. thing to note here is that uh, Chamath also – he he exited out entirely. He's out of, of Virgin Galactic. He sold yeah. his entire stake. So Branson's the founder. He's not going to do that. Um, but that, that that marks two major uh, insiders, influential insiders who have who have now sold this stock in the past couple of months. Um, and it just goes if you just zoom out, right? This is the kind mm-hmm. of stock that rallied all last year and now just cannot seem to catch a bid. It's it all turned. We know two months ago, and the, the names where value started to matter. The day you know, game we can thank GameStop for this to a certain extent, and the, and some of the great traders at Reddit because they are value traders. I've talked about this on the show. They're not you know, there's a few storied stocks in there, but if you look at the stories, they're looking for value. They're looking you know, they're not looking for you know, you know, paying ridiculous prices for stocks. A lot, a lot at least a lot of that thread. So. Space was working well, and even when I was in it, I was like, you knew it was riding on story. And last year, in 2020, story is all that mattered. Valuation did not matter. That is not the story today in April of 2021. Valuation does matter to this market. It is why we have seen a substantial rally in all of the value names and a substantial sell-off in a lot of the higher Kathy names. And we'll talk without Christian Frommer. It's again in 10 minutes. I'm teasing it one more time. But SPCE down a buck and a half. I look at it and say, okay, yeah, you know, 25. This is, you know, you know it's significantly lower from where I sold it. So I could scalp back in. But this is a story now that has gone out of favor. This is a valuation that, you know, it doesn't even have revenue. So we don't even know, like right now, to even give it a valuation. I mean, I think there is going to be revenue. I think it is going to maybe eventually in the long run make some money. But in the short run, it's not even, you know, we're years away from profitability here. So could this get another 50% haircut from these prices? It absolutely could. I'm not coming in here. I don't even have a taste for it to come in here. Maybe if the technicals turn, I know you can say there's good support and there is good support down at 23. And maybe we test that today on the Branson sale. We're at 25 right now. So I think you're way early for coming at 25.17 this morning. Um, it has It is oversold. That is one thing going for it. But all of these high growth, names you know this high p stuff low revenue names have been 
oversold for a while and they continue to remain oversold and they don't want to rally into you know the market rallies and they don't rally i mean space another story here today yes the branson sale probably weighing on it which i tweeted out last night but it's you know spies up too. it's down another five percent making new lows on the move making new lows on the move you don't want to own those stocks when i say they make a new low you gotta go so this is not doesn't have any momentum and there's no value investor that wants to touch it so there's no momo traders in there there's no value traders in there this is where you start to get the gap and the relentless selling pressure and what else i wanted to say was is there is a lot of stocks a lot of these names that this is just following march 2000 and i was an active trader in march 2000 i can vividly remember the trading People who, you know, maybe just, you know, read about it, think that the tech bubble just crashed. We just went down 80% in you know, a week and a half and, you know, everybody lost all their money. It took two years for the NASDAQ to bottom. Two years. It, that crash didn't happen overnight. That was, we called it a death by a thousand cuts. The growth names just went down a little bit more every single day. A little bit more every single day. And, and there was a value trade in there, too. Um, eventually they started selling everything, like I said, because they had to start raising cash because they were getting killed so much in the value names. But, you know, I watched Lucent Technologies, the most widely owned stock, go from $85 down to 80, down to 75, down to 70, down to 60. Two years later, it was two bucks. So this was an AT&T spinoff, the most widely owned stock on the exchanges back in 2000, Lucent Technologies. Obviously, eventually became Alcatel, Lucent, bought out for $4. It doesn't help the person that bought it for $80. So it, it's, it's looking like this type of market for some of these high growth names. And that's why I am now very conscious of what you're paying. It's not surprising that stocks like Google have caught a bit because it's growth at a reasonable price. They've moved away from growth at any cost to growth at a reasonable price. That's the way this market has moved. Space fits the bill of a stock that is following the tracks of like April, May, June of 2000. And if it does follow that track, it's probably going a lot lower. I know people don't want to hear that, but if that if it does follow that, and if we still stay in this value-oriented market, space is probably going lower. That's my opinion. I just want to add, of course, you know, the news of Wednesday that Blue Origin's test flight succeeded. Yeah, They're keep trying to get their test flights to succeed. I think what you're seeing here is also it could be a change. It could be people start looking at Blue Origin and saying that SPCE is just not in favor anymore. I want to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I, I lost track of time. 830. We just had a number. I don't know if you care, Dennis. Uh, jobless claims and retail sales. I don't know if that interests you. Sure. Uh, uh, okay. Initial jobless claims for last week. Uh, 683,000 jobless claims filed versus 700,000 estimate. That is lower than the estimate and lower than the prior week. Where's my retail sales number? Estimates were at. Uh, estimates were for retail sales to rise 6%. And I don't see it yet in the pro feed. Uh, do we have retail sales? Bueller. Bueller. On the retail <laughs> That's sales. okay. You know what? The market's not moving. So honestly, right. we, okay. if you have the numbers, but oh, we don't care yeah. enough to wait wow. for the numbers. Okay. I do see 9.8% increase in retail sales month over month. Holy moly. That sounds significant. Remember that retail sales dropped three percent uh in february so a 9.8 percent rebound actually no uh, that would be a 12 12 percent rebound people are buying stuff um, we know that people are buying 
you know, everything. Like you can see the inflation everywhere. I mean, we are going into this inflationary environment whether the Fed wants to lie to us about it or not. Prices are rising on everything right now, like used cars, used boats, lumber, you know, you go across the board, even food, you're seeing prices of that, right? Energy, everything is going up in price right now. We are in full on paying for just printing so much money. This is an inflationary environment that we're in. And this is why I want to stay in stocks, because if you're in cash right now, you're getting crushed. I know I have some cash sitting there and we're waiting for my build and I'm getting crushed in it. So I wish I was in the market and obviously I you know, wish I had some more lumber stocks, but I mean, cash is just trash. And so even though we're talking about, you know, these stocks like space going down, there are other stocks that just continue to go up every single day. Spy makes new all time highs every day. It's, I believe, the biggest position in my long-term investment account. Why? So I don't have to worry about my long-term investment account. You, know, you can have some fun in different stocks, but at the mo- for the most part, I'm moving with the market. So, I mean, those are core Spy has been the best place to be in the last few months, really. You're trying to pick these growth names. You're trying to pick other names. There's so many people who are stuck in a lot of, you know, of the higher growth names that were really working in 2020 that are not participating in this or or even worse, going down. And then, you know, Spy just keeps going up. It's a value-oriented market, continued to be driven by value. One stock that I bought two days ago um, on the dip was U.S. Steel. I'm like, one... I think the infrastructure is still happening. I'm seeing prices of everything going up. I want a steel play. U.S. Steel pulled back significantly. It's a stock in a clear uptrend now. 27.40, all the way down. Got down to $20.90. I bought it about 21.50, I think. So I'm up. It's 23.50 this morning. So I am uh, up in a little bit. But I just want to increase my exposure to those kind of sectors. So I, we know I've had Nucor for a long time, but I took a dabble in U.S. Steel. Um, and... I, I think you got to keep buying those kind of plays on the pullbacks because you know what? Infrastructure is still happening here. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, infrastructure is always happening. It's, it's kind no, of- but they've got the infrastructure. I mean, buildings and, and obviously you look at the price of lumber. You know, what about people like I was saying, people, some people are going to steal studs. You know, where we didn't have, you know, the choices before because it was so much more expensive. But because lumber prices have went up so much, steel is an alternative right now. So I'm not joking. There, We were talking about it on our build. I'm like, I can almost get steel studs at the same price as lumber studs. It's better product. So, I mean, there's stuff to think about there. You know, you got lumber, you know, that's went up 250% or whatever it's went up. I got to think steel has a catch-up trade here eventually. So I have like you steel. taking a look at Home Depot and Lowe's? Unbelievable, Mitch. That's Unbelievable move. Look at the moves. Look at that. You don't see that move no. in HD unless we got probably the inflation that you're seeing. Yeah, I people. Mean, well, two by four is two bucks to nine <laughs> bucks. Sheet of plywood goes from eleven bucks. PVC to pipes, bro. PVC even. So I heard that materials. plumbers plumbers are literally going to Home Depot and just hoarding and just hoarding materials because they they don't want to pay the inflated price and see it keep going up. That's well, we and we pre-bought on our build. I pre-bought a whole pile of materials because you know what? They don't see my builder. This is going up every day. Okay, we got to buy it now because it keeps going up. I mean, maybe we're buying at the highs, but we pre-bought a month ago and the prices have all gone up again. Same. Chart I mean, on this lows. is um, this is an inflationary environment, whether the Fed wants to believe it or not. Yeah. You know, and maybe we're just picking on building costs, but we're seeing inflation. Like I said, my buddy bought a used boat. Three years ago, for nine grand, sold it for twenty six, and now he's seeing the same boat online on a on a you know online for thirty to thirty five. I mean, 
prices are inflating everywhere around us. It's just in, the Fed's choosing to look in the places it's not. All right, let's um, let's bring on Christian Farmers here, founder of Tribeca Trade Group, joining us from what appears to be a WeWork. Is that right, Christian? That is correct. Uh, we work in New York City. How are you guys doing? We work is still around. Yes. Awesome. How are we doing? <laughs> is that all? What's the office space behind you there going on, Christian? <laughs> uh, so, that's, so that's just, a, you know, someone else's office. And if you've ever been in a, in a WeWork, it's, um, you know, as you can see, it's kind of fishbowl offices and so forth. So, you know, you can kind of walk around and see how they're doing, basically. I'm and... just somewhat concerned that there's nobody behind you. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me well, not want to invest in WeWork. <laughs> uh, well, Beautiful office, too. though. Beautiful office. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they are nice offices. And I've been at a WeWork office for about three years now, I think. So um, I like it. You know, it's it works very well for me. Uh, my office is right on Wall Street. So um, you know, it's a good place to be. So, Christian, you were talking and sending me some stats, which we want to get to here. We're just looking at this growth versus value trade. We've been talking about it on and off all morning here. And obviously, we know Kathy Wood is all about the growth at any cost. Um, we've been talking about this value-oriented market. So um, if you can give us some of the stats that you were uh, sending me overnight here, um, you, you've compiled some interesting statistics. Yeah, sure. And I, I mean, I think it's just kind of interesting, you know, the it's oh, it always seems to me that the hot investment managers get the attention. And it does go in cycles, right? And and obviously, you know, uh, ARC is really good at what they do, but it's a pretty thin slice of the market. And you guys do an awesome job covering that and the attention. But yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the year to date stats, uh, the ARC Innovation Fund is up about 2% and SPY's up 11%. You know, and over three months, the the, um, the stats are a little bit more skewed. Uh, ARC is down about 10% and SPY's up 9%. So what, so you know, 19% whatever, underperformance in the last three months. 19%. Yeah, so, you know, where that that goes for me, and, and, and like I said, you guys do an awesome job covering this, is that, as a retail investor, we have the ability to choose, you know, do we want to go into super high revved up growth right now? Or has the market changed a little bit? And can we go down some different avenues? And can we be a little bit more diversified if the market, you know, uh, really calls for it, which I think this year, we are we are definitely seeing something different than what we experienced last year. So I think it's just kind of good to kind of look at these, these points and realize as an as a individual investor, you can invest in this, but you can dial up or dial down your allocation as the market is showing some other attractive places to be in 2021 so far. Um, what are your thoughts here? Does this value trade stick? I mean, we've been seeing it really for the last three months and you can clearly see it in the, in the stats with ARC, obviously 19% underperformance on growth and she would know she's higher growth. Um, does this stick or do we eventually just start piling back into the names that were working 2020? What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I think it's, it's definitely, you know, something to, to, to keep an eye on, but for me, you know, I, I'm a trend trader. So, you know, I, I look at the, both the longer term trends, the medium term trends, and even the short term trends, because I think I'm similar to what you're doing in terms of, I have a trading account and I have a long-term account. Yeah. So definitely I have names, you know, growth names in, in my long-term account. 
But right now, I mean, I think the trend in commodities, I think the trend, you know, you guys were just talking about Home Depot and Lowe's, but also the, the home builders. You know, I, I like those trends right now, too. And I think in the immediate term, I mean, there's a lot of really good setups. If you look at the commodity space and if you look at you were talking about U.S. Steel, you know, it's a, it had a really nice day yesterday, kind of, um, you know, digested and and. I think right now, the way that we're seeing this market move on a week to week basis, we're seeing, you know, at the end of last week, it was really strong retail names, specialty retail. So there's a lot of opportunities in this market. And if you're a quick, you know, if you can if you can move pretty quickly and if you're a nimble trader, you know, you can really kind of catch some of these moves. And you don't have to, in my opinion, you don't just have to park your money in just one particular slice of the market there's just a lot of opportunities out there you know i really like what's going on right now in copper um fcx had a big day yesterday yeah if you guys want i could show uh, share my screen yeah can we do that yeah let's do that all right let me uh just give me a second because i haven't used this app before but i do see a share button down here okay let's try this share share screen just don't share anything what we we don't want or you can't share. <laughs> oh no, no I don't. Uh, let's see. I don't mean that in the Pharisee. I mean that like don't share any sharing like, that private information. Uh, you would get in trouble for sharing. For sharing. Yeah. Oh, All right. So too. it's giving me the option because I have multiple monitors here. Pick How's that? Monitor. Okay, that's good. Okay, yeah. so I got the S and P up, but you know, I mean, pretty crazy that we're still. You know, the the trend the trend goes on right now for the. You know, we yeah. had a little bit of a dip yesterday. But yeah. we're we're right back at it. But you know, I I like um, so to start with, and it's not Thank the only you. name that I like in the space. But if we if we look at the daily chart of Freeport, right, take a look at the volume yesterday. So yeah. I, I love to see volume like this on on a breakout. And what's nice here is it's not extended. Uh, you know, it's obviously in an uptrend, but it's kind of come in and 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 um, had a had a nice digestion here, and we're just starting to break higher on on high volume. So I'm I'm looking at a target at, at 41, right? So this is something where you know if you've been playing some of these areas, you might have a little you know you can generate some alpha this year uh, versus being all you know in one area of the market high growth, uh, which I think is good for you know. Long term, I, I think you could kind of really pick up some performance and things like this. Um, tech resources was, was another big one yesterday on, on nice volume. And again, you look at these and, you know, they're not exactly extended. Um, the, the trend is really nice and defined. But I mean, I, I love that big volume yesterday in, in something like this. Huge, huge move here. Christian, talk about, you know, what do you do as a trader when your stocks are like you say you're a trend follower you're following trend what do you do when your stocks break trend like i mean there's so many traders and newer ones that absolutely refuse to take a loss do you have a defined like risk parameter where you look and say okay if it does this i'm gonna get out do you hold on like what well how do you approach it you know your discipline you know if you know the trend uh, obviously starts to break yeah, uh, it's a great question. And, and discipline is a big thing right now, you know, especially watching some of these moves and, and what has transpired in the first quarter of this year. But yeah, if it breaks trend, I'm out, you know, and um, I will always have opinions and where I think things are, you know, a, a good trade and so forth. But above all, I, I let price and trend confirm that for me. It's always right. <laughs> you know, you can you can't really argue with price and trend. So 
Um, I know exactly when I'm wrong and when I'm right. Um, you know, I use a system called the market webs, which, you know, tell me where there's volume at price. And I also look at like the 50, 50 day moving average. And I think that's a great simple indicator right now, just to tell you if something is in an uptrend or if it's in a downtrend, you know, in terms of, you know, medium term, right? So um, that's how I look at it. And then those names that, you know, I'm in and, if they break trend, break 50-day moving average, you know, it's my job to, to, to continue to watch those names. And, you know, I think it's, it's kind of been interesting the last couple of weeks because, you know, as you talked about a few days ago, just the opportunity to get back in some growth names. It's not that I completely dislike growth. I just think that there's, that there's a lot of opportunities other places too. Well, and it's just a matter of there's so many traders that are trend followers. And when they start to break, like I've always talked about this gap between value and growth and value and, you know, a trend following strategy. And, you know, I, as a trader, like to follow trend as well. But as an investor, I'm more of a value approach investor. But, you know, when you get certain stocks like, you know, SPCE, we were just talking about and, you know, it clearly breaks trend up around forty eight, forty nine dollars back in February. I mean, there's a huge gap and when it starts to come down, because once you get all the momentum traders and say, okay, momentum's gone, I'm out. The value investors are saying, well, they don't even have revenue, so I'm not buying this. So you have basically a gap where there's just not a lot of willing buyers. And that's where you see this huge fall in the next couple of weeks as, you know, anybody who's in there maybe is getting out as well. But there's just a lack of buyers once trend breaks. So, you know, these, these, these. Uh, obviously, you know, names that maybe are higher, not not value names, because you always have value investors coming in like in dividend stocks, but on these growth names, they are very reliant on trend followers to continue the, to grow. Oh, sure. And, you know, you've, you've mentioned this a few times. It's a story stock. So as long as there's momentum and the trend is strong, you know, these things can continue. But once you break that trend and, and the momentum slows as it has, you kind of lose, you lose the, um, I mean, it's still, there's a story behind it, but you really kind of lose the, 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 the wind behind the sails of, of this. And, you know, the, the trend to me just looks like, um, you know, I, I need to see buyers come back into this. If you look at the volume, right. And what's kind of happened here, you're just not seeing that institutional accumulation here. So, you know, I understand the need sometimes for retail investors to want to buy the dip, but if you're the only one buying the dip, we know that institutions control the market. It's just not going to work out, you know, as well if you don't see that institutional buy-in going on. Wait, 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 Christian, can you talk about that? You know, you said you're looking at the volume and you're not seeing institutional accumulation. How would you know by looking at the volume who, meaning an institution, is coming in there? Yeah. And it, I mean, it doesn't, for me, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't, um, I, I don't need to know what institution or, or who's, who exactly no, is. No, no, no. I yeah. meant like, how would you know that it's an institution versus like 10 Spencers, right? Like, 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 how would you know that? Well, I mean, you know, I just, I just think simple technical analysis will, will, will basically just tell you that, Hey, you know, what we're seeing here is just a, a change in, you know, basically how the price is moving. So right, you know, right now, for example, you see Virgin Galactic and we don't know where the bottom really is in. We know that we've got some support at the 200 day moving average, but we're just not seeing that confirmation that it's an interesting stock for, 
for institutions. So that that would be what what I would be looking for is to say, hey, this thing has gone down a decent clip. It's down from you know a high of 62 down to 26, but we're just not seeing that interest where people are are coming back and and, and buying that. So yeah, I mean support to be held and also you know we need to see some bigger green bars over here do you think generally speaking the uh, individual uh traders investors like buying the dip more than they like but or more more likely than than they are to chase like they're more likely to buy the dip than they are to chase because because it does seem to me that everybody loves to be the one to be a hero and buy the dip yeah, it, it depends what type of trader you are. You know, there's there's a ton of different traders. It depends if you're more a momentum trader or or if you are kind of a, a longer term type type value trader or investor where you think, hey, buying the dip and, and this is something that I think over time is going to do well versus somebody who who's, you know, just as basically moving with the trend and so forth. So, you, you know, you have all types of market participants and all different types of styles. And really that that's what makes it a market. So um, I particularly, you know, myself, and I can really just kind of speak for that, but I would rather be looking for, you know, um, I, I, because we really don't know where the bottom is of a stock. So I, I look for confirmation all the time, you know, and that's one of the things too, with, you know, the, the move down in growth names that we saw over the last couple months is I really look for that confirmation where I can say, hey, I'm going to pick a trade here and I know exactly where it's not going to work. Right. Um, so so that's really all about being a disciplined trader, uh, you know, a disciplined investor. And, you know, when you're just, you know, at the end of the day, we're all looking to make money. Right. So, you know, the, the more that we can kind of um, look at our, our technicals and have a have a defined trading system and process, I think the, the better we are at this game. People are asking, and QS might be a good, you know, one to talk about here too. Where momentum has completely broken and turned sour in a hurry. We do have a negative note. Yeah. Uh, it looks like from Scorpion Capital, they're calling it a pump and dump spack scam. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure this is so. This is just you know being passed around on social media, but that is why QS is down 10% right now. It just just started falling here in the last few minutes. Right. But I mean, here's another story. It was one of these big EV plays that everybody had to pile in at the end of the year. And, you know, momentum broke. And, you know, obviously it's been straight down. And now it's been a consolidation station here for $40. It looks like that consolidation might actually resolve itself more to the downside. Yeah. But again, this is a name like you you as a momentum trader. This is something you probably don't even look at, correct? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely correct. And you can see every time this thing has tried to rally, it's failed. Right. Yeah. So I think Kramer actually was talking about this name last night and it's yeah, again, it's not negatively. an interesting story. It's a disruptor. But for me, I, you know, it's a, it, I'm not just trading stories. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for names that are actually that they're that they're going to make money. So, you know, this is way out of bounds for me. Like I would even need to see this thing get above 60 because it tells me that it's trending up. Like I think so. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's more of a short candidate. Would I short it? No. Um, but I think that's the situation. Another name that I always get questions on is Palantir. Well, Palantir for me, just, you know, continues to trade in this 22, 25 range. I want no part of this name until it starts doing something different. For me, that different is above $26, right? Yeah. And that's the confirmation for me. The price is going to tell me I'm right. And, you know, and where, where I'm wrong too. So this thing, you know, I, I've had a lot of people ask me like, Hey, this thing might actually be turning. And I'm like, 
Well, it's got to get back above its 50-day moving average, and it's got to get back above top of value, right? Which is which is 2581. So until that happens, I don't really care about picking the absolute bottom at a name. I want to make sure I'm more I'm more excited about when a name goes from 26 to 29 or 35 than trying to pick the two or three dollars where this thing may be bottoming. It's tough. I mean, when these stocks are in downtrends, I look at it as, okay, you have two basic traders. You have the momentum trader that comes in. There's no momentum. And then you have value guys like me. And I'm looking at my long-term account, like you can day trade anything. But in the long-term account, it's like, well, I don't even exactly know what the hell they do. So I'm like, I'm out as a value trader on this. You know, I don't see, you know, a P multiple of, you know, 20 or, you know, reasonableness. And I don't even think they make money. So it's kind of stuck in the middle of like not that much interest. So you have people that keep buying the dip on this thing. They can eventually it's going to go back to 35 or 40. But like you said, until it gets above 26, it's got no momentum and I'm not interested. So it's almost a better, you know, wait and see. Let's see if it can get some momentum going. Let's see if the story can turn and then maybe get interested as opposed to trying to buy the bottom. Right. Right. And I mean, in something like this, no, I know. I mean, this is the steel ETF. You know, this is right now has me more interested because you got a nice defined trend here. And, you know, again, it's it's you know, this is an ETF, so it's a smaller ETF. But but even still, you could see the nice volume yesterday. Right. I mean, that to me is a little bit more where the action is for now. Now, it's important. And, you know, one of the things that we can do as as traders uh, is make sure that if you like a Palantir or if you like you know some of the growth names that are just have been trending down over the last couple of weeks to, to a month is, is to set alerts on things where, you know, you're, you've got certain pivot points, you've got certain areas of in- interest. So it's important to keep monitoring these things um, to see, because we, we really don't know, and none of us have a crystal ball to say when, you know, that momentum and when those buyers are going to return to that segment of the market. No, that's, and, and that's just it. I mean, you can keep picking on the same names, but I think what Christian, what a lot of momentum traders, Spinner is a great one too do well is you know you you aren't married to your positions you're not you know okay i'm getting in this and now i'm getting down with it and i'm going to okay well what do i do well, i gotta hold on i can't take a loss you know that's what people think they can't take absolutely can't take a loss i've never had a loser before i don't take yeah. losers i mean i literally have people say this to me once a week i don't lose i you know i hold till it comes back i mean this is just a recipe for eventually having a portfolio of losers i've talked about that a long time as a discipline and if you were all growth and all momentum, you were kicking ass and taking names in 2020 and 2021, it has turned for you. And this is why you need to have discipline to get out of those names when the momentum turns. So, yeah. and, and you guys all identified the new momentum and you're playing like you're, you're, you're becoming on and pitching FCX. You wouldn't even thought of pitching FCX to us last year, you know, you know, at this time, it wasn't even on your radar because it was in the gutter. So again, you're always as a momentum trader, you're always in the stronger stocks which is kind of where you want to be. Right. And, and yeah, two, two points there. I, you know, I would say, you know, number one, that's what kind of makes this market really fun and interesting is that it's always changing and evolving. And the more nimble that you can be and objective, you know, the more I think you're going to have a good time in this market by, you know, just staying with, with, you know, where, you know, the money is flowing into and so forth. Uh, Number two, I, you know, I have losses all the time. I mean, but really what I try to try to concentrate on is that there's small losses, paper cut losses. But yes, yep. I mean, it's a huge part of trading. And, I, and I've heard you talk about this, too. You know, 
we're going to be, you know, there's, there's no, there's nobody out there that has an 80, 90% batting average, right? It's just not possible. So we're going to be wrong and we're going to be wrong a fair amount. So you have to be comfortable with saying, Hey, this is not working out. I had an idea and I'm respecting my system, which is telling me to get out here. So it's important to, to have that system and process over the overall, you know, um, you know, pick of one particular name or pick of, you know, a couple names, your process and your discipline is so much more important than those individual picks. It's a great point, as always. Christian Fromhertz, founder and CEO of Tribeca Trade Group, telling us that if you hold your losers, you're going to have a bad time. Christian, thank you so much. As always, a pleasure. If you're not following Christian, guys, on Twitter, you really should. His uh, Twitter link is in the description. It's at cfromhertz on Twitter. Great, great follow. Uh, dropping knowledge all the time. Christian, always a pleasure, man. Thanks, guys. A pleasure as well here. Thank you very much. Thanks, Christian. Um, Dennis, do we want to do uh, – <laughs> we didn't talk about earnings. We want to no, do – I know. We only have five minutes left here. Dell, you want to do ticker time? I mean, there's a lot we need. Well, let's do the Dell. It's um, on the top of the yeah. news for a lot of people here. It's up seven right. points here this morning. I think this is the ring the register event for Dell. Um, I, I am like – I screwed this trade up royally because I was on this show, you know, probably a year and a half or two years ago talking about how Dell gets no love it was, you know, I was saying, you know, when the stock was $40, when I owned it at $40, I was like, the VMware position of Dell is worth $40. You're getting Dell for nothing. Like you were literally getting Dell for nothing if you were buying this back at $40 because their VMware holdings were worth $40. So I talked about this for a long time. It's started to finally, you know, it, 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 the news came out that they were talking about a spinoff. The stock started to get some love. I sold way too soon. I think I got out in the 60s. And here it sits at $100 a day. And I feel like today would have been my payday. Again, me, I, I identify the entry. I'm in the position very well because I'm, you know, I'm a value guy. And looking, I'm getting Dell for free. Eventually, I'm going to get paid. Today would have been payday. So I feel like if you're in Dell, this is my opinion. I feel like today is the day you got paid. And if I was in it still, today I would actually be selling it. But I sold it way too soon. I got paid, you know, on the rumors of the eventual spinoff. So give us the news. They are they are doing the spinoff of VMware. Yeah, they do have an 80% stake in uh, VMware that is being spun off here. They're going to receive around $9.5 billion from that spinoff. Yeah, so, and, there, so and, there you go. I and then mean, they're also distributing uh, that money in, uh, to shareholders via a special dividend. Um, don't know the exact amount. $11.5, $12 billion total dividend amount, but. I don't know what the per share dividend is off that. So, yeah, shareholders get a special divvy spinoff of their VMware stake. This is where due diligence and value investing can work. And it did in this case. And again, I just out too soon. Yes, I made money on it. Yes, it was a good in, you know investment for me. But you know, I did. I took, you know, the first few bites of it and, and left most of the meat on the bone. So I'm disappointed in myself because I called this. And, you know, today I feel like I would have got paid. So congratulations to the long-term Dell shareholders that identified that as well. I know there was a lot of them out there. Um, a lot of good traders out there holding the, the Dell for the VMware. And I feel like today's the day that you got paid. Should we do uh, quick earnings quickly? I mean, we had Bank America. Do, do we care about Bank America this morning? Do we care about um, not really uh, Citigroup? Do we care about Pepsi? No, we don't care about any of that. Nah, not really. No, no? <laughs> you can if you want. 
Um, I was just going to say we should just grab a few tickers. All right, yeah. Let's do, uh, we have one minute before I'm going to bring on Andrew Harwood, so let's do a couple of tickers. Yeah, I can, I can fly through. Give me three. Three tickers in two minutes. Oh, I, I just happened to see this one here from Hurt Scrambler. Uh, GBX. Let's take a look. Oh, man, you go off the board on me. So I'm not following the story at all on GBX. It's been an, in, a, in a hard uptrend. I don't know what the news is today. The stock's down oh. three bucks. Here's a good one for you. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Did you finish? I, I, didn't I was going to say, it's still it's still in an uptrend. I would say if it's below 40, I don't want any part of it. All right. Discovery. I don't know if you saw DSCB yesterday, but let's, let's look at the A here um i don't know if you saw the b well discb can do anything at once one there's no arbitrage activity in there because you can't get a locate you can't get a borrow so there's no herbs to keep the price in line i had a reporter reach out to me yesterday asking me what the hell's going on with discb and i was like well there's no arbitrage activity in there so it can do whatever the hell it wants yeah it's loosely connected to discovery even though it's the same company but it's just no shares outstanding so that thing honestly shouldn't even trade um so it can go wherever it wants because there's just no arbitrage activity to keep the price in line all right, uh, I'll do a couple more here. Let's do um, oh, fuel cell. We talk about this one every so often. CEL. It's kind of the same. Momentum story. has broken. Yeah. Story is ice, ice cold. Ice, ice, baby. This is ice, ice cold. The, again, this is just something that Christian Frommer's probably wouldn't touch at this point in time. It's something <laughs> I wouldn't touch at this point in time. It was $2 for forever when I owned it, and I sold it, and I finally got fed up with it, and then it ran to 28 so I kind of hate it for that reason. But um the momentum is ice cold i mean plug power is your leader here plug power starts to show some life you know how i'm a relationship-based trader i trade plug i trade fuel cell i trade ballard power all the time against each other plug starts to show some life i'll be interested in fuel cell and ballard power until plug starts to show some life i'm not interested in any of these and plug is trying to make new lows again so it's hard to be a buyer of fuel cell and plugs going straight down a few people asked about TLT, so let me let me do that, and then I'll, I, I want to ask uh, our guest Andrew about TLT as well. So, but first, I'll I'll do you, Dennis. Okay, so TLT getting a little bit of a lift here again. We know, um, you know, if you're watching utilities, there's a positive correlation. You're watching banks, there's a negative correlation with TLT. With all the bank earnings, it's not going to be as much correlation as there is on a normal day. We we we've stabilized. We are still in a clear downtrend in TLT. There is a very clear, clear downtrend here. So we've stabilized. We need to get above 140 to start to get a little bit interesting and say, okay, well, maybe, you know, the TLT uh, death march here has cooled at least for a bit. But I mean, we're still in a clear downtrend, so it's hard to get bullish. I want to ask our guest about TLT. Andrew Horowitz is the president and founder of Horowitz and Company and the host of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Andrew, good morning. What, what do you think of TLT here? Morning, gents. Uh, hey, TLT is interesting. I think what's happening right now on two fronts with uh, both the tech and the growth and with uh, the bonds is a massive amount of rebalancing. What are we on the 15th of, of April right now? Yeah. And if you look back to where we were and how the assets split dramatically the first quarter of the year, we saw that you know banks, energy, financials uh, across the board with value were really in favor by a long shot, and we saw those breakdowns of the high you know uh, momentum names as well as the the you know really uh, stretched PE names and tech and all that. There was I think there was some estimates of five hundred billion dollars to be moved and rotated just within balance funds alone, and when you have that, there's going to be massive pressure in the areas that needed to be rebalanced into, right? So I think this is kind of what's happening right here. Because if you look at the numbers today, you guys have been talking about it. The numbers today in terms of uh, employment, in terms of uh, some of the inflation numbers we saw this week with PPI and CPI, and uh, you know, kind of across the board with manufacturing numbers, 
you would have think you would think the relationship should be that bonds should start you know moving to to a point where yields are continuing to move higher but i think this is a uh, as i call it mechanical situation right now where we're just seeing the end effects of this rebalance Interesting. Interesting. So I, I want to ask you about sort of the theme of our show, I guess, every day for the last couple of months, which has been like how how you're approaching the uh, all the growth names, the, 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 the ARC stocks that were on fire last year and then have cooled off significantly this year. Uh, are, are you are you are your hands off? Are you waiting for the rotation? Are you rotating into, into other assets right now or other areas of the market? How are you approaching the, the, those high growth names that have that are that are ice cold right now? So there's high growth names and then there's ridiculous growth names, right? Those other names that are like, where, where's the value in this at all? Um, You know, I'll trade those personally for client accounts though. It's really a hands-off for the most part. There's a couple of names in there. Some of the EV space that I would kind of work in some of the solar names that are interesting. We just sold a couple of solar names. We said, you know what, we're done with this right now. That thing is kind of gone. If it hasn't moved to this point, um, or if it if it's moved up enough, some of the names we kind of took a lot off as it was rising up, and then kind of left a very very small piece, less than a one percent position in a portfolio. Other than that, uh, I, I just don't know how long you can ride a train that there is the only thing that it's based on is speculation. That's it. The simple as that, right? You know, a lot of these names were only all about speculation no earnings no potential learnings and when you start hearing the words on uh, the road or the path to profitability scares the crap out of me you want to share with us what those solar names were i mean you know you get look at um you know just like tan or sun power or or or, or just any of those basic names but I, kind of uh out at this point okay Okay, so so gen- generally hands off and 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 I, I guess you know it meant that you missed out last year, but it meant you're not paying for it this year. Yeah, I mean we right exactly. I mean we we did ride some of those up, okay. Um, okay. you know, but but yet at the same time maybe not topped out, but yet didn't bottom out either, right? Kind of just at the end of the day, it was like okay, that was fun. Let's move on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, the name of your podcast is the Discipline Investor. Uh, can you can you outline for us like like your your overall like philosophy on, on how you approach markets there are a lot of people who've joined market the markets in the last year or so uh who were up a lot and are maybe down a lot now right yeah uh, yeah and uh and and, and i am trying to reach those people and 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 keep and keep them in and not let this be another situation where like people that you know, got screwed out for the dot com bubble, just like left the markets forever and never came back. And I, right. you know, I want the I want these people that are down in arc funds, or whatever, to 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 stay stay with us here. So so outline, uh, you know, how you, your philosophy that that sort of zooms out a little bit. So let me let me give you two things here, Spencer. Yeah. Okay, first of all, what not to do. Yeah. Okay, don't be a button pusher. Now, there's no, you know, I mean, buy 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 just because you can. Right. I mean, that's what a lot of people did. Oh, that name's going up. Or he mentioned that on on a TV show and they just go and buy because there's no commission. It's easy to do before, during or after markets. That is not the way you have to do a little bit of research here to understand what's going on. And remember, anybody that's uh, given out a name uh, aside from you guys here are probably talking their book to some degree and probably pushing out what they're doing in terms of what we do. I'll give you, for example, a really, really good example um uh, on our 
long short strategy, which uh, is different than our core diversified uh, asset allocation strategy. But one of the things we do is we have a quantitative screen that says, hey, you know what? You have to have an increase in your earnings growth. You have to have an increase in revenue growth. You have to have uh, an ROE, a return on equity at certain levels. You need to have volume at certain levels and a whole list of things. That brings you to a discipline that you have to stick by. And we've tested it. We've done it for years and we know what we want to have. What's interesting, you get some things in there that maybe you would have never bought or maybe some things that are not in there that you really wanted to buy. So for example, a stock that I would have never, I would have never bought. It just, it just, it, even though it kind of looked interesting and all, William Sonoma. Now, why wouldn't I have bought that? Because in my head- The catalog is amazing. I, but I walk into the store <laughs> and there's nobody there. And then I go and I want to buy- a catalog, Andrew, come on. Okay, yeah, what's, what's a store? What's a store? <laughs> so um, then I go and, and I buy, I want to buy a, a lemon and lime squeezer. It's like $28. I'm like, wait, wait a second. That doesn't sound right. That sounds a little bit hot. I look on Amazon, the same thing's like $12, $8. So I'm thinking to myself, again, I'm thinking because of my own anecdotal information and evidence of what's happening. This is not a stock that anybody's going to buy something from. Meanwhile, that chart, how's that chart look to you? Pretty damn good to me. Yeah, last earnings were blowout. Look at that gap to the right on that chart, right? So I would have never bought that stock, and it's done just incredibly well. Um, and the point of this all is that you have some kind of a discipline, some kind of a methodology to screening or to finding stocks rather than just, hey, what's the hottest thing right now? I was on a, on a show yesterday, um, and we had a – it was a Med Favors uh, show, and we talked about yeah. – what, what was like kind of the past? We talked about Ken Hebner. We talked about the CGM funds. We talked about all these different hot trends that got really cold very fast because the hot trends always move beyond, right? They move way beyond where they're supposed to be and then they pull in. It's the last guy holding the bag that's always showing up as a problem. So I think the, the big issue is, is discipline's a, you know, obviously a broad point, but have something where you can replicate and understand what you're doing rather than just pushing money because pushing buttons because money's free right now. But do you wonder at all whether like the, the grounds have changed permanently due to the, the ease of investing on apps like Robinhood and Weeble and the, the rise of, of, you know, not that chat rooms are new, but like wall street bets has exploded. I've been on wall street bets yeah. for five years and I was on it when there was like, you know, a million people or whatever, half a million people with less than that. There's 10, 20 million people on there. Now, uh, the rise of those platforms and the rise of, of streaming and, and Twitch, uh, and, 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 you know, you wake up, you roll out of bed, you roll over in your bed and you buy a stock, you know, on, on your app in your phone, the, the rise of all that, the ease of, uh, the, 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 the ease of investing and trading, the breakdown of barriers, has that permanently, has caused permanent shift in the way people behave and the way markets behave as a result? I don't think so. I mean, I think eventually everything will come back to normality. And the fact is that people are going to go back to work. They're going to get tired of the game. They're going to get tired of losing because this is a hard, this is a hard business. Yeah. You can get lucky. And I know people that have bought stuff. I had a guy the other day that over for dinner. He's like, Oh my gosh, look what I bought. He bought something for two bucks. 2000 shares. He sold it for like, I don't know, 10 bucks. I mean, that's a nice, that's a nice score. Right. So, you know, what, what was it? I don't know. He just saw it moving. He bought it. I'm like, okay, that's great. Listen, $16,000 gain is a $16,000 gain. Take it all day. But you know, 
that luck will run out right now. What's happening is a lot of this is being fanned by excess money into the system. We have a fed that basically started a fire and think of it like this. The fed starts a fire. They stoke the fire. It's a beautiful fire. It keeps the house warm. It keeps everything going. The government comes in and not only puts, uh, you know, 50 gallons of gasoline on top of it, but then they put a massive fan on top of it and the entire house is engulfed in all this. So right now where we are at this point is, at the beginning stages of the federal government stimulus plan, blowing air to ignite this fire. You know, if we get another two and a half trillion dollars and who knows how much more stimulus is coming individually, PPP programs still running, is going to be a lot more money in the system. It will last for a while. But, you know, those kind of moves on ARC where I get clients that had portfolios invested calling me up halfway crying that they sold puts against it because they thought it was a great deal. And now they got to take a loan to pay for those puts on the uh, takeout, right? Because it went below the point. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just build a portfolio on 12 ARC funds or whatever, how many funds there are, five ARC funds that have a lot of overlap and say they're one thing, but in fact, the space has, has what deer in it and some other really weird things. Yeah, well, the space also owns uh, the one of their other ETFs as one of the largest holdings. So, it's, right. Uh, right. so yeah, to your point, your points about diversification is totally right uh well last andrew before we let you go you know we're here we're at all-time highs uh what is more likely to you uh you know a slow and steady march to new highs a consolidation period sideways or or some sort of a retracement here maybe like i'm talking the rest of the year i mean i would think that right now if if all goes as planned with the uh, it's all I think about this next stimulus plan coming out um, It's all about inflation. It's all about where bonds head to. And I think that there's going to be a continuation probably of a general consolidation. I can't imagine that we have valuations that really spike a lot higher from here. I just can't see it now. Call me a little bit more conservative, but it, it seems to me that that um, you know there becomes a point that we're exhausting all the possible money that goes into the markets. And while we saw the last five months, the story from Bank America was the most amount that came into markets and it was it, it topped the last 12 years in total into equity markets and equity funds. Um, I would think yeah. that we're going to probably see, I hate to say this, I hate to say what I'm about to say. It's going to be more of a stock picker's market. You can probably outperform uh, by utilizing stock picking rather than simple indexing. I know that sounds like everybody else on CNBC, which I hate to sound like, but uh, I, I really do. And I'm not talking my book here because I'm not leading you into one place or the other. I just think that it's going to be a little bit more selective moving forward. You can't just keep powering ahead like this kind of arbitrary. And not to mention volume has been crap over the last few weeks. Have you seen that? On the major indices, I mean, we're at the we're at the low of the year for for a nice volume. I don't know about Nasdaq, but uh, Nasdaq was the, the low I think on uh, last Friday. Yeah, and that and that's a weird time of year to be doing that in April. Yeah, it's a, I mean that doesn't give you a ton of confidence, but maybe it tells you we're going back to like a more normalized market. I I don't know. I don't know how to think of that. I think there'll be spikes in it all. You know, people talk about bubbles, and I think about a balloon, and a balloon is kind of blows up and then pops. I'm not thinking about that. What I'm thinking about is is like a medical glove, right? A medical glove, you blow up and you get, boop, you know, they, it starts getting little pushing out in different areas that bubble, but maybe it doesn't blow up, right. but you get these kind of like breaches in the bubble and, you know, we already saw three hedge funds blow up this year. That's a thing that you really need to explore. I know we're limited on time, but I think the whole idea of just pushing in money to 
bring up valuations like happened with SoftBank with WeWork and how they pushed the options. Marcus, remember when they pushed the big cap uh, options to force the other side to buy the stock, to bring up their Apple, to bring up their Tencent and bring up um, Alibaba, all those. And then what happened with Wang recently where he just bought Disca and bought yeah. um, uh, Alibaba, whatever he was I, buying. Icom and, and- Right, but, but the whole, it, it was the PE model. The PE model is, hey, we'll buy in higher and the whole thing will be valued more. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's happening yeah and your point about record inflows into u.s equity funds well maybe the solution is to look elsewhere look there's right. a lot of, there's a lot of other countries out there yep. everyone there are there are there are other continents besides north right. america besides the u.s yeah we're big fans of em and and, and, and uh, outside investing as well and outside currency investing oh that's interesting all right, we'll have to talk more about that. Andrew Horowitz, president and founder of Horowitz and Company, host of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Andrew, always a pleasure, sir. Hey, Spencer, have a great day, buddy. Have a great day to you as well. It is 9-16. Let me bring on Neil Hamilton from Get Technical, and uh, let's preview that show if we can. Neil, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing great, Spencer. How's it going, man? Doing fantastic. I'm doing legendary. I'm having a well, – actually, no, I'm not. I, I want to – I, I, I'm just tired. I'm just, uh, truth be told, I'm very tired. I'm very tired, Neil. Okay. That's the guy's honest. I'm extremely, I'm extremely tired right now. I love your default responses like, I'm good. Everything is okay. I'm doing legendary. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, I'm really tired. I, I've been here, I've been at the office a lot uh, these past few weeks and months and, uh, and went out to dinner last night, which I never do on a weeknight. This is why I don't do that because I yeah. What are you doing going out to dinner on a weeknight? It was as uh, college? Huge mistake. Epic mistake on my part. I'm so <laughs> tired right now. I wasn't even out that late. I was out to like 10. Dude, dude, I'm the opposite. The past few days, I have been so tired. Staying up way too late on Benzinga projects and then getting online playing Elder Scrolls Online with my younger brother. Uh, not a healthy thing to do. No. I'm, I caught it last night and I got some sleep. So I'm here to cover for you. I'm re- I feel rejuvenated. I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Uh, well, what's on your mind today? Um, I want to look at the chips today. Um, so we are seeing a lot of questions about Intel following the NVIDIA announcement, mm-hmm. um, which is basically NVIDIA is going to do some some server processing. Yeah. Um, which is which is a bread and butter source of income for Intel. Plus, Intel has just been getting spanked by AMD's affordable and high performance uh, CPUs, um, which are great, absolutely great uh, uh, for gaming and then for other things that are process uh, uh, intensive, like video editing and stuff like that. So it's being bought up by consumers, prosumers and uh, professionals alike. Um, so we're going to take a look at the charts um, and see if it's a good buy for 2021. All right, looking forward to that. I will see you on the stream. Uh, well, you'll be on in a few moments. All right, legendary. Have a legendary show, Mr. Neil Hamilton. If you're listening via podcast, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a good rest of your day. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.